This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a TGIF wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this morning. Plenty to talk about, uh, of course, uh, here in the state of Connecticut, everybody talking about the fact that uh, Governor Ned Lamont has uh, announced yesterday that he is rolling back uh, a lot of the restrictions and opening things up in the state of Connecticut starting on March the 19th. Um, Our positive tested rate here in the state of Connecticut now below 2%, so the numbers have steadily declined. Things are going in the right direction, so the governor has decided that it is time uh, to do some stuff. Now, here's the, you know, look, he is, uh, he's opening up restaurants. Uh, They can have 100% capacity, although what he's saying is you can have 100% capacity, but you still have to, abide by the guidelines by the Department of Public Health. So really, they're not going to be able to have 100% capacity because they're still putting distance between tables. But for bigger restaurants, it will certainly make a difference um, in that they'll be able to have more people in there for sure. The smaller restaurants are still going to be somewhat limited, you know, understandably. Um, He is not going as far as, for instance, the state of Texas and the state of Mississippi. Uh, You're still required to wear a mask. When you go to a restaurant, when you go uh, into a you know a grocery store, department store, whatever, the mask mandate remains. Um, but uh, you know he is opening up the state a little bit more. You know it's funny um, when we were here a couple days ago before Ted yesterday off. When we were here on Wednesday, I was talking about the uh, the move by the governor of Texas and Mississippi to do what they've done. And it's, you know, it just seems idiotic to me. It seems tone deaf uh, based on what's going on in this country. And uh, my wife has a cousin that lives in Texas. And I had not thought about this, but uh, she texted my wife later. She must have been listening to the show. She texted my wife later and said, you know, basically how to make people forget that you have folks in the state still without power and without water, et cetera. How do you do that? (laughs) You lift the mask mandate. You know, and that's I had not thought about that, but it is a good way to deflect from uh, the mess in the state of Texas going on with uh, folks suffering from that winter storm by all of a sudden say, hey, no, don't worry about it. You can't you, can't, you don't have any clean water in your house. No problem. You don't have to wear a mask, though. And I, I had not thought about that. So we're not doing that here in the state of Connecticut. Thank God. Um, it, the other thing it does, it allows uh Attendance at outdoor venues to 50%. So, for instance, when minor league baseball season starts here um, in six weeks or so, Dunkin' Donuts Park, where the Hartford Yard Goats play, will be able to have 50% capacity. Um, That's great news. Um, Indoor 
venues will still be uh, limited to 10% capacity, but that's better than 0%, which is what they had a little while ago. So, you know, it's it's a small step. Um, the two amusement parks here in the state of Connecticut, Lake Compounds and um, uh, Quasi Amusement Park, are both planning on opening. I think Quasi is planning on opening sometime in April and Lake Compounds in um, May. Uh, they announced yesterday they're going to be hiring about 1,500 people. That's great news, put people back to work. So, you know, I think that, you know, Governor Lamont is, I think it's the right move, but I think he's doing it reasonably. Bars are still not allowed to be open unless you serve food. So that classifies you as a restaurant. You cannot be open. So uh, the traditional bars in town here in, you know, Middletown, they're hurting and I get it. But. If you go to a place and, you know, you go to a bar, people are a lot closer and you're drinking alcohol. Nobody is thinking about anything. And by the way, if you're drinking, you're not wearing a mask. We all know that. Um, wedding venues are going to be able to be open. They can have up to uh, 100 people now in outdoor events. That had been capped at 25. So now uh, people that want to get married, you know, they'll now be able to have uh, receptions of up to 100 people as long as you're outside. Um, uh, churches can all reopen offices can reopen hundred percent capacity. Same with gyms. You know, again, it's going to be, uh, you know, they're still going to have a curfew in place for restaurants. It's got to be 11 o'clock. It had been, I believe 10 o'clock. So it's now 11 o'clock. Um, so I think that it's a move in the right direction. And as he said, look, you know, it doesn't mean that this is a free for all. And it doesn't mean that it's permanent. If we see that the numbers are going back up, he said, we'll pivot and change right away. He said, we'll roll them back if we have to. He said, I hope to God we don't have to turn them back. But if the metrics say we need to, then that's what we're going to do. You know, and it's, you know, it's so funny. People never are satisfied, you know, so they're rolling back some stuff and you immediately have restaurant owners going, bah, bah, it's not really going to help us. Well, you know, and yet you have others saying those few extra tables are going to make a difference for us. It's going to make a difference for everybody. This is just people saying, look, if I can't have everything, I'm going to be pissed off. And considering that we had absolutely nothing for the last year, you would think people would be overjoyed. But I guess it's human nature to just, you know, if you can't have everything you want, you're still going to be pissed off. Um, so it's good news. By the way, it also means that when the Travelers Championship comes up here in June, the big PGA golf tournament. Uh, it could mean 50% capacity. Now that's not until June. Who knows by then we could be even farther, you know, along with the, uh, vaccines, et cetera. So great news, great news. Um, and as far as high school sports, everything is a go. The governor said, as of right now, um, everything is a go for the spring. And, uh, you know, we'll have a normal spring season here in the state of Connecticut. So uh, positive news. You know, we're look, we're getting that way across the country. I think they said now this, the country's up to like 10% have been vaccinated. Um, I'm eligible for the vaccine. I don't know when I'm going to get it. I, you know, I'm going to get it, but I'm just, I'm not in a rush. Um, my wife's not going to get it. And that's, <laughs> that's not a shock, but I, I'm going to get it. I just, I just haven't. You know, I just figure there's people with underlying conditions, et cetera, that need it more than I do. So I'm going to wait. 
All right, let's get to uh, sports. But uh, great news anyway here in the state of Connecticut. We're pretty happy about that. Uh, I think we'll all be happy when the mask mandate is over. But I also think that, uh, and and I, you know, I got to be careful. I don't want to say the people down south are just you know they don't get it. But I think that you know New Englanders tend to be more conservative. You know, we all, you know, and down in Texas, it's like, you know, and down in, down in the South, it's like, you can't infringe on my rights. In Florida, everybody's all about my rights, my rights, my rights. This isn't about your rights. It's about the rights of your neighbor. And it's about, you know, trying not to spread this thing any more than we have to. But, you know, I, fortunately here in New England, we're taking a more conservative approach. And I am all for it. Um, all right, let's get to sports. And now this, very disturbing, you know, it seems like every... Every week we we hear some new case of somebody just being an idiot or tone deaf about where things are in this country. Uh, Creighton University basketball coach Greg McDermott has been suspended indefinitely by his university. Um, After, uh, (laughs) over the weekend, when they uh, played at Villanova, or when they played... uh, wasn't at Villanova. I can't remember who they were playing. But after a game last weekend, he gets in the locker room and says to his players, hey, we need to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation. This is a middle-aged white coach in a locker room full of black players telling them they need to stay on the plantation as this as if this is the antebellum south i i don't even know where to begin to start with this one now i will give mcdermott credit for this he knew as soon as he said it he shouldn't have said it he has owned up to it he said, he, he said, look, he said, I, I accept and I agree with the suspension. He said, mistakes come with consequences. So I give him credit for that. And it, look, we're at a, in, with, with the world being the way it is, social media being the way it is, we all, and, and myself included. Now, I'm not under the kind of spotlight that the head coach at Creighton University is. And, you know. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the several hundred people I have listening to my show are not likely to, uh, want to burn me in effigy, but you know, even on here, I have to, I have to be somewhat careful. I got like, well, I go a little off the reservation at times, but I, you can't, you can't do things like that on the plantation. Really? So look, I'll give them credit for owning up to it. Creighton hasn't said how long the suspension will be for. They only have one game left in the regular season. That's Saturday against Butler. So his assistant coach will take over from that point. And then we'll see what happens. I mean, and the university has said there, there may be additional sanctions taken, uh, none of which will be made public. Uh, what you can read into that is some kind of a fine or some kind of a loss of salary. This is going to cost McDermott. I'm, you know, McDermott shouldn't lose his job. Now, there are people that are calling for him to be immediately fired because, of course, that's what we do in 2021. We immediately cancel this guy, and he should never coach again. It was a mistake, but it was stupid. 
It was, there's just no other word for it. So he should be punished. No question. I, I, I appreciate that he owned up to it, but good Lord. It's just, you know, every day it's something. Whether it's racism, whether it's sexual harassment, it's something. I mean, look at what's going on in New York now with the governor. Uh, a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago during this whole pandemic, he was like the uh, rock star. He was a darling across America. He won an Emmy Award for his press conferences. Everybody loved this guy. Now, all of a sudden, we find out that uh, he may be a bit of a scumbag. You know, hitting on young interns and, and uh, executive assistants, et cetera, and, you know, wanting to kiss them and asking them about their, their personal life. I mean, come on. Every day it's something because, you know, look, I'm 60 years old. Governor Cuomo, you know, is not a young man. He's my age. How dumb can do you have to be? You know, just have a little bit of intelligence. You can read the tea leaves the way America is now. You got to know better. You got to be better. You know, I'm not about the cancel culture, and I'm not saying that Governor Cuomo needs to resign over this, but you, you can't be that stupid, can you? Well, well, maybe. So, you know, Coach McDermott, I, you know, and, and like I said, Creighton's doing the right thing. The coach acknowledges he made a mistake. The coach acknowledges that it has to be this. But, look, what else is he going to say? <laughs> you know? I mean, what's McDermott going to say? If he comes out and says, ah, there was nothing wrong with that, well, then he's going to lose his job. So he doesn't have a lot of choice but to say, I agree, and, yes, it was a mistake. And I'd like to think he really does realize what a stupid mistake it was. You know? I mean, I think we have all, at some point, in the heat of the moment, as you get caught up, you say something, you kind of, and the second you say it, you go, ooh, kind of wish I hadn't done that. I mean, I've done it. I remember getting caught up, and I'm not going to tell you what I said, but when I was working in college athletics, we were playing against one of our biggest rivals. And as a matter of fact, it was a school I happened to formerly work at, and it was a school uh, that I did not have fond memories of. Uh, I worked there, and I did not like it. Uh, realized very quickly after taking the job I had made a mistake. I made it lasted there two years and, and then moved on. And we were playing this school in a, in a sporting event, and uh, it was ugly. And I said, I said one thing in the press box during a game in the heat of the moment because I was pissed off. And as soon as I said it, and I didn't, I said it in front of about five people. So it wasn't like it was, you know, uh, screaming it to the hills. But as soon as I said it, I went, oh. Yeah, that was dumb. And and I immediately, that as soon as the game was over, I wrote a, an email to the person that I had said it to uh, and apologized. Uh, I matter of fact, I went as far as to, and I CC'd my athletic director. I CC'd the coach. I let everybody know, hey, look, this is what I said. I was stupid, and I apologize, and, and you know, I, whatever the consequences are, I get it. And, you know, there was no blowback. You know, I, I, I got spanked a little bit for it, and I should have been. But we have all done things like that. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to kill this guy and say he needs to be fired because we all need, we all make mistakes and we got to learn from it. And uh, getting suspended and probably having your paycheck docked for a while, I'm sure that's going to get Coach McDermott's attention. All right, on to better news uh, in college basketball. Uh, the Women's Basketball Awards in the Big East Conference came out yesterday, 
And Paige Becker's the fabulous freshman at the University of Connecticut, uh, did something only one other female player in Big East history has done, and that is win both player of the year and freshman of the year in the Big East Conference. The only other person to do that, Maya Moore, one of the greatest women's basketball players in the history of this country, not just in the history of the University of Connecticut. Um, so she's the only one that's ever done it. And, you know, look, Becker's is is unbelievable this year. She averaged 19.8 points, uh, six assists, two and a half steals a game. Uh, all the while, by the way, shooting uh, ridiculously, shooting 54% from the field and 48% from three-point range. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, she realistically could be the player of the year in the country. I don't think she'll get it because no freshman has ever won player of the year nationally. But, uh, and matter of fact, I think only two players have ever won it as a sophomore. So she's not going to win that, but you could make a case for her to do that. But what I love about her is, uh, you know, she was grateful for it, but she said that she doesn't, you know, it's nice, but all she cares about is winning. She said, I care about winning and making our team better every day in practice and in games. Uh, you know, she said, so, uh, and she said, at the end of the day, the three awards I want to get are the regular season Big East Championship. Well, they got that. The Big East Tournament Championship, they're going to get that. And a national championship, and they've got a decent shot at that as well. So she said, we've got one of those down, and we're working towards two more. Good for her. You know, and uh, one of the things I always love, too, is at her postgame press conferences, you know, even in games when she scores 30-plus points, she's talking about her teammates. You know, and she's a player that uh, Gino Ariema, the head coach, has had to get her to shoot more. They've had to convince her to be more selfish because she likes to pass. So uh, anyway, so congratulations to that. Gino Ariema, of course, named Coach of the Year. It's the 11th time he's na been named the Big East Coach of the Year. 17th time overall he's been the Conference Coach of the Year. Um, so no shock there. Uh, also getting honored yesterday, uh, Olivia Nelson Adota. Uh, was named the co-defensive player of the year. Uh, and Aaliyah Edwards, another freshman, was named the sixth woman of the year. Uh, Kristen Williams, who was the preseason player of the year, was named to the all-conference first team along with uh, Paige Beckers. So uh, UConn cleaning up in the postseason awards uh, as usual. The UConn men's team finishes the regular season tomorrow. They will host Georgetown at noon. That game is on CBS. Uh, a win there and then a, a good run in the... Big East tournament, you know, UConn could be in the top half of the bracket. They could maybe work their way up to a 5-6 seed if they have a, a great finish. Uh, right now, they're in. Um, unless they stumble today against Georgetown and get bounced in the first round of the Big East tournament, they're in. And even if that happens, they'll probably still get in. They would just be a lower seed. Right now, they are projected to be between a 7-10 and 10 seed. So, uh, noon against Georgetown, a team that they beat earlier this year, it's, you know, should be an easy one. All right, uh, baseball. If you are a Red Sox fan and you were hoping against hope that there was any chance that the Red Sox were going to re-sign their free agent Jackie Bradley Jr., well, that's over. He signed yesterday with the Milwaukee Brewers, a two-year deal for $24 million. Uh, and he has an opt-out after the first year. He's going to make $13 million this year, and it's scheduled to make $11 million in the second year of the deal. But if he wants to, he can opt out of the contract after this year. 
So he gets a raise. He was scheduled to make $11 million with the Red Sox last year. He only earned about four in prorated pay, but poor poor guy. I don't know how he made it on uh, on four mil, but uh, somehow he did. Uh, so anyway, um, that is the, uh, uh, the end of that hope. And it is the end of the greatest Red Sox, the, the official end of the greatest Red Sox or maybe the second best Red Sox outfield in history. Um, when they had Mookie Betts, Andrew Benintendi, and Jackie Bradley, that was special. Fred Lynn, who is on the other great offense or defensive uh, uh, outfield in Red Sox history, along with Jim Rice and Dwight Evans, has said that JBJ is the best defensive center fielder in club history. And if he's saying that, you know, that's all you need to hear because Fred Lynn was a special center fielder. But think about this. I mean, you look at this, this that Red Sox outfield with Bradley anchoring it in center field. They led the majors in assists um, in the last three years, or last four years. Uh, they were first in uh, what they call the ultimate zone rating, the ability to get balls that, uh, you know, that are hit in the gap. They were third in defensive run saves, third in double plays started. I mean, the numbers tell you uh, that they were the best. And yet, now here we are in 2021. Mookie Betts has been traded. Andrew Benintendi has been traded. And Jackie Bradley Jr. has been allowed to walk. And now we are left with Alex Verdugo, who we got in the trade for Mookie Betts, who is a fine player, but they're going to they're planning to play him in center field this year. He's not really a center fielder. He's better in right field. And then we have a bunch of guys that are, uh, you know, Frankie Cordero, he's injury prone. Hunter Renfro, who is a career platoon player. And then you have Kike Hernandez and Marwin Gonzalez, who are utility guys that p- can play anywhere. Uh, Kike is that probably their best center fielder, but they're going to play him primarily at second base. But you're looking at an, an outfield. You went from the best defensive outfield in Major League Baseball to Alex Verdugo and a bunch of also-rans. And as Pete Abraham pointed out in the Boston Globe this morning, you want to know how bad this is going to be for the Red Sox? Well, we won't know exactly till the season starts, but how many times during this season, he's, and he said this, keep track of how many fly balls uh, fall down inside the lines on the foul lines because a Red Sox corner outfielder can't cheat over because Bradley's not going to be there to cover the gap. You know, the right and left fielders used to be able to play closer to the lines because they knew if a ball was hit in the gap, Jackie was going to be able to get there. Uh, how many... How many uh, uh, balls are going to fall over second base without Jackie Bradley there to 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 get to it because he's not afraid to play shallow. How many runners are going to take an extra base because they're not worried about Jackie Bradley trying to throw them out? And he threw out a lot of them. You know, and then you look at all the great catches he made in his career. I mean, so, you know, people will say, well, you know, he's a 239 career hitter. He's a streaky hitter. Yes, that I absolutely get it. I absolutely get it. There were times it would drive you nuts. You know, but he there are times that he has also been able to carry that team. But I didn't care about any of that. All I carried about was cared about was his defense. And now that's going to be 
uh, in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee seemingly doesn't need him. I mean, they've got Christian Yelich out there. They've got Lorenzo Cain. They've got Evasio Garcia. They've got a great outfield, and now they've got Jackie Bradley, and they don't have a DH, so one of these guys is going to sit every day. But, man, that is a great outfield that Milwaukee has. That Milwaukee team is going to be pretty good. You add, you know, they added Colton Wong this year, the great second baseman from the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, this is going to be, if, they've, if their pitching holds up and now you add a great defensive center fielder like Bradley to the mix of what they've already got there, that Milwaukee team, they're going to be really, really good. They, they and St. Louis, I think, are going to have a hell of a battle. Uh, in the NL Central this year. But uh, very sad. Jackie's gone. And you know what? And the other thing about Jackie, not only was he a great player, he's just a great human being. You know, and that's, you know, that's a great citizen. Those are the kind of guys you like to have on your team. And, and I'm going to miss that. There's no question about it. It is 30 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. It's 32 minutes past the hour here on a Friday morning, the fifth day of March. Going to be a chilly weekend. we got some springtime coming next week. They're calling for temperatures around 60 degrees for like three straight days the middle of next week. I can't wait. My wife's excited. She's on vacation all of next week, uh, so uh, can't wait for that. Uh, some other Red Sox news. Um, they announced yesterday that Tristan, Tristan Cassis, one of their uh, top young players, has left the team. He's being evaluated for a non-medical, I mean, non-baseball medical issue. They have not said what it is, but he is actually back in Boston. And Alex Corey yesterday said they said they found something medically that they have to take care of. Uh, he said it's he said it's actually personal, and I'll leave it at that. So I don't know what is going on, but uh, Tristan Cassis, who was actually a non-roster invitee for the first time this spring, he's only 21 years old, uh, a kid that was picked out of. Uh, uh, Plantation, Florida, when he was still in high school uh, in 2018. Uh, obviously had to miss last year because there was no minor leagues, but in his first year in the the, uh, the minors right out of high school, uh, he hit 256 at uh, Salem and Greenville uh, with 20 home runs. Kids got great power. Um, and matter of fact, he and Xander Bogarts are the only guys that were teenagers in the minors to hit 20 home runs in a season uh, in the Red Sox minors in the last uh, in the last 50 years. So uh, he's a kid that's thought highly of. So let's hope whatever this this non-baseball medical issue is that uh, that he's going to be okay. Uh, Xander Bogarts uh, has begun a throwing program. He has still not appeared in a game. Uh, he has been dealing with some uh, shoulder soreness. So uh, he began a throwing program yesterday. Hopefully he's going to be back. Um, Matt Andrees got the start for the Red Sox yesterday. They lost their their spring training game to the Baltimore Orioles yesterday, six to three. But Matt Andrees, a kid that they got that uh, they haven't decided what they're going to do. He's probably going to be a middle relief kind of guy, but uh, he also has the ability to start. Went two scoreless innings yesterday. Matter of fact, two hitless innings, uh, struck out one. Uh, but uh, they got to Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck had trouble throwing strikes. Couldn't get out of the third inning. He came in, pitched two thirds of an inning. He walked five guys. Gave up two hits and five walks. Yikes. And this is a guy that they are considering for one of the five rotation spots. Again, I know it's early. Let's not get too carried away, but five walks, not a good sign. Uh, so anyway, uh, uh, not a lot uh, on the positive side of the ledger for the Red Sox yesterday. Uh, most of the uh, regular players had the day off and uh, 
the pitching really let them down yesterday. Uh, the Red Sox did make a signing yesterday. They signed Danny Santana to a minor league deal, uh, inviting him to tra- uh, spring training. Uh, Santana didn't play much last year. He had some issues with an elbow sprain. But the year before when he was healthy with the Rangers, he had 283 uh, with 28 homers and an 857 OPS. If he's healthy, this is a great signing for the Red Sox. Uh, again, they seem to have a lot of these utility guys. Now they have Marwin Gonzalez, who can play the outfield anywhere in the infield. Uh, Kike Hernandez, another guy. Danny Santana is a guy that can play the infield as well as the outfield. Uh, so uh, they're stockpiling utility players. But this Santana deal, if he's healthy, uh, I like that one quite a bit. Um, news out of Yankee camp that uh, Aaron Boone, their manager, uh, is out of the hospital. Everything seems to be going well. Of course, uh, we didn't talk about this yesterday since we weren't here, but uh, the word came down late on Wednesday that he took a medical leave of absence to have a pacemaker inserted um, to correct a congenital valve defect. It's something that he's been, he's known about for a while. It was something that was detected during his playing career. And I guess he had been having some issues with an irregular heartbeat, so... Uh, he took a leave of absence, had the surgery on, uh, Thursday. Everything went as planned. He's out and supposedly he is, uh, he is okay and should be back with the team, believe it or not, in a few days. Um, so, uh, he wouldn't have made any difference yesterday. The, the Yankees got absolutely hammered, uh, by the Philadelphia Phillies in their minor league game, 15 to nothing. 15 to nothing. Now, they threw a whole bunch of nobodies yesterday, except for Davey Garcia, uh, the young guy who made some starts for them last year, somebody that is hoping to have a shot at the rotation this year. Pitched two innings, gave up a couple of hits. He gave up, well, actually, the two hits he gave up were both homers. Uh, he struck out three, didn't walk anybody, and uh, after he left, uh, Asher Wojciechowski came in. They, they, batted him around. Abreu came in. They batted him around. It was just uh, Nestor Cortez came in, another young pitcher. Uh, he got hammered. So uh, the Phillies enjoyed their game yesterday. 15 runs on 12 hits uh, against the New York Yankees. They hit six home runs in the game. I was watching ESPN yesterday. They had another minor league game on. They had the Mets on yesterday uh, against the Washington nationals. And I talked about this on, on Wednesday that the whole mic'd up thing where they're, they're talking to players during the game is annoying. And they were, you know, asking him to do stupid things. Well, they, they mic'd up guys again in the game yesterday. Thankfully, thankfully they were a little bit more reserved, but they, they talked to, uh, Juan Soto. They talked to, uh, Francisco Lindor, you know, and it was fine, you know, but here's what I hate. We went through the first two innings of the game when most of the regulars are in the game because, you know, after the third or fourth inning, all the regulars are going to come out and they're going to start throwing in guys you never heard of before. So in the first two innings of the game, they're, t- they're all they're doing is talking to these guys. They're paying no – the game is on. They're paying no attention to it. They're not talking anything about these teams, about, uh, you know – what their prospects are for the year, and, and, you know, they're not breaking down anything. They wait until all the regulars are out of the game before they start talking about the team. Uh, you know, to me, the time to start talking to these guys is after the regulars are out. Why not wait until the fourth, fifth, sixth inning when the regular guys aren't playing anymore? Then talk to these guys. Because by then, the guys that you want to watch and the, the guys you want to hear the announcers talk about are out of the game. 
you know, and, and again, I mean, I, I get it. You know, which, well, I got nothing better to do except bitch about what ESPN is doing. But it just, it's annoying. Uh, you know, I don't watch the Sunday night baseball games on ESPN. And I, I'm a baseball junkie. I don't watch it. A, I can't stand Matt Faskersian and Alex Rodriguez. But it's because they do everything but pay attention to the game. Half the time, they're, you know, it's, it's all about the entertainment value. And it drives me absolutely nuts. And so watching this yesterday was nuts. Now, the one thing I did enjoy was funny. Uh, they interviewed uh, the Mets president, Sandy Alderson, who's in charge of basically in charge of uh, baseball operations. And he came out and said, <laughs> you know, some of our players aren't defensive geniuses. <laughs> he said, but but we think that the overall blend we have is really good. I <laughs> I think that was hysterical now and then they talked to Luis Rojas and, and Rojas came out and said yeah you know I agree with him you know and so one of the things the Mets did is they you know they because they've they've really concentrated on bringing in big bats because that's what everybody wants to see everybody wants to see guys that hit the ball nine miles but they did things like bring in Kevin Pillar and Albert Almora Jr. guys that are great defensive outfielders to help out and now Brandon Nimmo is a pretty good defensive outfielder Michael Conforto uh, out there, not so much, you know. So they've brought in a couple of guys that can can help out that outfield defense. But I just love the fact that Alderson was just up front saying, "Yeah, our defense, yeah, it's not so good." <laughs> so um, the takeaway from the game yesterday: Pete Alonso looked good, uh, had a grand slam home run. He did not hit a home run in spring training last year. Um, uh, was very very frustrated. And uh, it was a big one for him because it was his mom's birthday, and so he was pretty happy about that. Brandon Nimmo had a home run for the Mets yesterday as well. Uh, the Mets win the game 8-4. to four. Not that that really matters uh, at all. Uh, uh, Peterson got the start for the Mets, pitched two scoreless innings. Uh, the uh, Nationals pitched nobody. I mean, honest to God, you looked at the Nationals' uh, pitching staff yesterday. They threw, what, nine different guys? I hadn't heard of one of them. You know, uh, the other takeaway, Jerry's familiar for the Mets. They've got to be concerned about him. Now, he pitched a scoreless inning, but he walked two more guys. And Jerry's familiar last year, I think in 30 innings of relief last year, he walked like 20 guys. He's walking, you know, for a guy that's supposed to be a back end of the bullpen kind of guy, he walks too many guys. Dylan Batances got lit up. Gave up four runs. He walked two more guys. Gave up a couple of hits and a home run. Batances struggled last year. And if you're the Mets, you know, that back end of the bullpen, you have to be a little bit concerned. Um, you know, you can have all the great pitching, starting pitching in the world. You can have all the great hitting in the world. But there's going to be a lot of games where you're going to need to rely on the back end of that bullpen. It has let them down the last couple of years. And I know we still have a few weeks to go in spring training. But the early returns on uh, that Mets bullpen, not very good. Um, other news around uh, Major League Baseball yesterday in spring training games, uh, the Tigers uh, beat the Blue Jays. Uh, not much to talk about there other than Miguel Cabrera uh, drove in his first run of the spring. Uh, Spencer Turnbull, uh, who was supposed to be the ace of this Tigers staff, allowed two runs and four hits in two innings. Um, Blue Jays didn't do a lot. Bo Bichette went over. Uh, Kevin Biggio had a triple, but outside of that, it was a pretty quiet day for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Ryan Yarborough pitched for the Rays yesterday. Uh, looked pretty good. Manuel Margot with a couple of hits. Randy Arozarena had a hit. Uh, the Rays beat the Twins 5-2. to two. Kenta Maeda 
uh, started for the Minnesota Twins, pitched two perfect innings. That's a good sign if you're a Minnesota Twins fan. Uh, the Cleveland Indians, you know, everybody worried about the fact that they've traded away Lindor, they've traded away uh, Carlos Carrasco, and, you know, they're, they're dumping salary everywhere. But I know, I tell you what, I think the Cleveland Indians are going to be better than people think. They, these young pitchers that they have, uh, one of them, Aaron Savali, who pitched yesterday uh, through three innings. And they were three perfect innings. Kids from Connecticut, which, I, you know, he's from East Windsor. Um, uh, but they've got, you know, with Shane Bieber and Savali and Quantrill, they've got a bunch of really young, good pitchers. They're going to be better than people think. Uh, they beat the Brewers yesterday 5-1. Uh, to one. So Savali, three perfect innings. He struck out three. Uh, they've got a, a good young left-hander by the name of Nick Allen who followed him. Uh, he pitched two more perfect innings. And uh, so he looked pretty good. But uh, Eric Lauer got the start for Milwaukee, gave up two homers uh, in his two innings of work. Milwaukee had just three hits uh, in this game. Um, other good sign, if you are a Madison Bumgarner fan, a longtime pitcher for the San Francisco Giants who signed with the Diamondbacks last year, didn't have a great year. Well, he struck out the side twice in the first inning and the second inning. He didn't do that all of last year. Uh, so... Uh, that is a very good sign for Madison Bumgarner. They beat the Angels yesterday 9-1. to uh, Diamondback pitchers combined for 15 strikeouts in this game. Uh, Griffin Canning started the game for the Angels. He struck out five in his two innings of work, but he also allowed a couple of runs. So uh, the Diamondbacks win that one 9-1. Uh, the Rangers beat the Padres yesterday. Joey Gallo in midseason form. Uh, he had a three-run homer and a RBI double, so he drove in four of the five runs. Uh, as they beat the Padres 5-3. to three. Brock Holt, also a former Red Sox uh, utility player, uh, had a double and uh, scored one of the runs for the uh, Texas Rangers as well. And uh, the San Francisco Giants uh, beat the Chicago White Sox yesterday 3-1. to one. Uh, Lance Lynn made his debut uh, with the Chicago White Sox and uh, pitched two scoreless innings, struck out three uh, after he came over from the Texas Rangers. And uh, one other game yesterday, Cabrian Hayes uh, helped the Pirates beat the Braves 6-1. to one. There's not going to be a lot to talk about with the Pittsburgh Pirates this year, but Cabrian Hayes is a special young player. He is, he is exciting to watch. Uh, of course, he's the son of former uh, uh, Phillies player Charlie Hayes, and uh, he is going to be somebody to watch all year. He's got great power, great speed, and a good defensive player as well. So uh, he, uh, he looked pretty good yesterday. It's 46 minutes past. Yeah, we've got to take another break. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Got a few more minutes this morning uh, before we head for the hills to start our weekend. Other news on the Major League Baseball yesterday. They announced that they are going to have a Lou Gehrig Day on June the 2nd. So uh, that will be added to the days they already have uh, celebrating Jackie Robinson and Roberto Clemente. And the uh, the day on June 2nd, well, it's significant. It's the, That would be the 96th anniversary of when Lou Gehrig began his uh, uh, consecutive games played streak for the New York Yankees when he took the place of Wally Pipp. Uh, and then played the next 2,130 games in a row. Uh, and, uh, of course, that mark stood until Cal Ripken Jr. broke it. Uh, but what they're going to do on that June 2nd, they are going to focus, of course, on ALS, which is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, Gehrig died of ALS. He was only 37 years old when he died. Uh, that's what broke his consecutive game streak. He wasn't feeling well and uh, uh, 
begged out of the lineup, and uh, that was it. Was not long after that he was he was gone. Uh, he died June second, nineteen forty one, and uh, it, so it's great that uh, they're going to do that. They're going to focus on uh, ALS. Everybody was going to uh, wear four ALS wristbands. They're, they're going to have a Lou Gehrig Day patch on uniforms, and uh, you know this is great. I mean. It's so funny. My wife made a comment about this the other day. You know, it's been amazing how quickly we have responded to the coronavirus in this country, right? I mean, we got a vaccine done in record time. Never in our history have we had a vaccine for something get developed that quickly. And she said, well, why if we, you know, we didn't do that for AIDS. You know, it took years. And we still haven't completely cured it, but you know we have we have uh, uh, treatments now that have extended people's lives for many many years. But you know, she said, "Well, why can't you know if we can do that for this, why can't we do the same thing for cancer? You know, or for some form of cancer, or for ALS, or for muscular dystrophy? Why can't if if we can put all of our resources?" Globally, not just in the United States. This has been a global effort. If we can do that, why can't we do the same thing for these other diseases? You know, why are we still losing so many people to to breast cancer or to lung cancer? I mean, I mean, some of it. I mean, lung cancer. You know, in a lot of cases, it's you know it's self induced because you smoke or whatever. But uh, you know, there's a lot of people that you know live healthy lifestyles, still develop cancer and die. Well, why can't we do that? What we did for the coronavirus cancer so you know same thing with als so they're going to focus on that on that day uh working on uh finding cures and raising money for research which i think is great uh, i think it's it's a wonderful thing um uh, of course we have uh stephen piscotti who plays for the oakland athletics talked about uh it, it's been well documented that his mom died of als i mean what mlb did for him and what uh the St. Louis Cardinals did for him, trading him to Oakland so that he could be closer to his mother as she was battling ALS. I mean, to accommodate a player like that, uh, you know, it has been amazing. So I think that, uh, I think it was great. And, and, and you know, look, Garrick, when he was facing this himself, I mean, uh, what a devastating thing it must have been for him. And he faced it with uh, a lot of courage. And, you know, even Rob Manfred said, you know, when they made this announcement, you know, the way that uh, his humility and courage, you know, and, and he was talking, remember his speech he gave, you know, I may have been given a bad break, you know, bad break. I mean, nobody would have blamed him for curling up into a ball and, and, and never being shown in public again. But, you know, he made a point of going out there and thanking the fans. And, uh, you know, so I think this is a, a great thing. So June 2nd, Lou Gehrig Day in Major League Baseball. Uh, the Boston Celtics yesterday win they beat the uh, Toronto Raptors 132-125. Fourth straight win for the Celtics. Look, they needed these wins like nobody's business. And they went from the ninth seed in the uh, Eastern Conference to now being the fourth seed. Uh, that's how tightly bunched it is. But I'm not too excited about yesterday. Look, a win is a win. You take it and you run. But this is a team they beat yesterday, this Toronto team. Uh, uh, Pascal Siakam didn't play. Fred Van Vliet didn't play. Uh, OG and Ube didn't play. I mean, there, <laughs> it was not the Toronto Raptors we're used to seeing. It was a very undermanned team. But again, you take the win where you can get it. 
And uh, But, you know, let's not get too giddy about this just yet. Uh, Jason Tatum, 27 points and uh, 12 rebounds for the Celtics in this one. Uh, Jalen Brown, 21 points. Uh, didn't shoot well, but, you know, we'll take it. Take what you can get. Kemba Walker, uh, 15 points in this one. And Tristan Thompson had uh, had 13 as well. Um, a good bench scoring for the Celtics yesterday. Pritchard, Robert Williams, Jeff T, Grant Williams, all with double figures off the bench uh, to help the Celtics win this one. So, you know, now they're off until March 11th. Of course, this weekend is the All-Star break. Um, by the way, I don't know why they're having an All-Star game amidst, amidst the pandemic seems stupid to me but whatever but the and, and I don't watch the only all-star game I watch is baseball because it's the only one to me that that resembles uh an actual game you know what they do in the nobody plays defense in the NBA all-star game you know the one team's going to score 160 points the other team's going to score 150 and it's just dumb how they do it now they pick teams instead of having eastern conference versus western conference we had LeBron James and Kevin Durant as the captains picking teams. So you're going to have Jalen Brown on one team playing against his teammate uh, on the other. That's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, it just, I just think it's dumb. So, but whatever, you know, it does, so that is coming up this weekend. So um, one other note before we get out of here, did you see, in the Bruins game the other night against the Washington Capitals, a game the Capitals won in a shootout 2-1, to one, uh, Alex Ovechkin uh, got into a bit of a scrap with uh, Bruins Fred, uh, rookie uh, Trent Frederick, and Frederick wanted to fight him. So they're standing there, and Ovechkin didn't want to fight, so what did he do? He just raised his stick, and he literally whacked Frederick right in the onions, right in the groin, just one moment the stick's on the ice, the next minute, whoop, Lifted it up and speared him right in the jewels. Frederick's down on the ice. And Ovechkin gets a two-minute penalty. You know what? If you do that out on the street, you're going to jail. Seriously, that's assault with a deadly weapon if you do that out in, in the street. But he's on the ice, and uh, he got a two-minute penalty. Well, yesterday, the uh, NHL fi fined him five grand. No suspension. We got him five grand because that's the most... Uh, that's allowed under the collective bargaining agreement. But uh, Alex Ovechkin's lucky that uh, that that didn't happen out on uh, <laughs> out on Main Street because otherwise uh, he's he's in the Huskow. That's crazy. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hope you have a great weekend. We leave you this morning with some music from Jake Hoot and Kelly Clarkson. I would have loved you. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.